everybody. Happy yep. Snoogans. Welcome to a new episode of DFV. I am your co-host, Black Cinephile. And I'm your co-host, Brad. That's your co-host, Brad, over there, folks. And uh, today we got a one uh, that we've been, uh, you know, we ha- we've had it on the table for a while, waiting for the right time to do it. We got our uh, Kevin Smith Return to Form episode. And I think the last time we talked about Kevin Smith, we did Mallrats versus... It was through his whole. Un- Go ahead. I think it was Clerks versus Mallrats. We basically just went for his okay. first and his second movie because between his first and second movie, a lot changed with him as a director already. You know, and okay. so we did an episode on that. And I don't think we've talked about. I mean, we've mentioned Kevin Smith a couple of times, but we haven't talked about any of his movies since then. You're right. You're right. Okay. All right. So this is a nice. Um, Return to form for us as well. We're doing like two of his latest films here. Uh, we got uh, Jay and Silent Bob reboot ver- versus uh, Clerks three on this one, and I feel like this is this is a nice um, kind of come to Jesus moment for Kevin Smith and his filmography because when he first touched down, he touched down with you know having a small view askew skew universe uh, type of lens where it was like you know Jay and Silent Bob. Uh, Randall and Dante, you know, uh, the characters from Chasing Amy, Mallrats, and just kind of slowly expanded from there to when he moved on to Dogma and other films. Right. Yeah. And one thing that happened is he kind of started getting more into the indie scene of his movies and kind of floated away from the Viewskew universe with movies like Red State and Tusk and Yoga Hosers. And following his heart attack in 2018 he kind of decided that he wanted to go back to making movies with the characters that he loved which was primarily jay and silent bob and then eventually he managed to get everybody back together to get clerks three off the road because he was wanting to do a sequel to clerks and mall rats and jay and silent bob for a while but he just couldn't get everything in place for it to happen And Mm -hmm. following his heart attack, he kind of realized he needed to get it done sooner rather than later. And it really pushed him to make sure that these movies could get made. Mm hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So this one's um, this this one's an interesting one here. Um, This is going to be an interesting episode because I feel like and we'll talk about it. Kevin Smith films are films that I I liked growing up. Like, uh, I love Clerks. I love Mallrats. Some people don't like Mallrats, but I love Mallrats. I love Chasing Amy, Jersey Girl. And it's like, sometimes when you have something you love, you get kind of like, uh, you know, reboots mm-hmm. and uh, kind of like um, uh, over-delayed, not delayed, but like long-awaited sequels that come on. You're like, you start to re, you start to reanalyze in your mind, like, yeah, do I still like this kind of comedy? And um, You become well, yeah. hypercritical of any additions to what you originally loved. Right, right, absolutely. And we're going to get into it here. Um, Hey, listen, I know chronological is always controversial on this side of the fence, but I really believe we should go with Jay and Silent Bob reboot. That's kind of like the launching pad to uh, Clerks 3. Yeah, I guess, because... That that was the movie that he decided to kick off after kind of getting back to this form, so it, it makes sense for us to go with it. So for this time, I'll allow us to go chronological. 
Okay, I got you. I got you. So basically, um, what we got going on here is a uh, Jay and Silent Bob reboot, and uh, this is a 2019 uh, sequel to the 2001 film Jay and Silent Bob uh, Strike Back. Uh, you know, written and directed, edited by Kevin Smith, and uh, we got Kevin Smith as the you know the the titular Silent Bob and Jason Mewes as Jay. And it pretty much starts off with, uh, you know, Jay and Silent Bob, um, you know, losing the court case to uh, Saban Films, <laughs> who they keep uh, confusing with Sabaro, uh, the piece, the pizza joint company, um, who are making a new Blunt Man and Chronic film. And it's a Blunt Man and it's a Blunt Man and Chronic reboot. That's a parody of uh, Batman versus Superman. And uh, basically, they can no longer call themselves Jay and Silent Bob. So they now say that uh, they now embark on an adventure to uh, stop the reboot and basically claim back their identities um, along the way, meeting a few colorful characters and some uh, nice surprises. Yeah, it is basically a remake or reboot as it is of Jane's Island Bob Strike Back, which the plot of that one was they were about to lose their names because a movie was being made of the comic book that was based off of them and they went to Hollywood to stop it from happening. And the plot of this is literally the same thing all over again. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I want to say uh, that the beginning of this film, I thought was really stupid, but the, the one line I like is when uh, they grab Dante, you know, the, the cops show up. And they grab Dante. He says, I, I swear to God, I'm not protecting them. I'll, I'll show you where they are. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and oh, it's so good because they literally have decided that they're going to open up a restaurant slash uh, marijuana, you know, sales place that is called the Cock Smoker, which is a fantastic name <laughs> for a place that uh, sells marijuana and chicken sandwiches. And I love how the joke is like every time somebody hears it, they always giggle about it. Even like the judge, you know, laughs at the idea of the place being called the cock smoker. But it, after that and everything, I, I love how this movie is just so self-referential to the past of Kevin Smith. Because we have, first off, every we have them being at the quick stop. We have Dante opening the quick stop and everything like that. The scene with him. They now own the place next door that used to be the video rental place. And then you go into the courtroom and you immediately have Justin Long reprising his role as the gay guy from Zack and Miri Make a Porno as their lawyer. You have so many kind of just cameos in this movie throughout this and it's just like even the SWAT was uh Donald Rawlings, you know, yeah, David yeah. Dest Machine. Um you know, it's basically it, to not jump too far ahead, but one of the lines in the movie is Kevin Smith kind of going, after my heart attack, I kinda just, you know, guilted all my friends into coming back and making a movie. And this movie is literally that. It's basically he got all his friends back in order to make this movie happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, yeah. 
So the, the the thing I like about this movie, it takes a while for me to kind of get like invested because when I'm watching this film, it, it, for a minute I was like, ah, shit, this is a Jay and Silent Bob movie. I got to turn my brain off. <laughs> like, I, I, like, remember when you got to remind yourself of, of the kind of stuff you liked as a kid. Like, okay, I got to. Mm-hmm. I got to turn my brain off and not think so much watching this. So when they meet, um, who's my man? Uh, Jason Lee's character, Brody Bruce, mm-hmm. uh, you know, at the comic book shop and they're talking with him and he's informing her about the reboot. You know, it, it, it's taking a little bit to kind of catch its, catch its, um, catch its flow to me. I feel like the movie really starts when um, they run into Fred Armisen. Oh, yeah. As the, the hater. Uh, yeah. what is the name of the Uber? The hater. T- is it the hater tots the hater tots yes that was his business which oh, right, uh, right, right but i'm trying to remember what was the name of the app that they used that was trying to like make fun of like uber and lyft and everything ride me now ride me now yes <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely but yeah that's it everything about this movie is basically just a parody of the idea of like a reboot or a remake of something that you love. And they do not hold back at kind of making fun of Hollywood and the choices that they've made. It's a very meta movie. And yeah, Yeah, if you can't get into that mindset of watching something that is literally a meta commentary on how Hollywood has grown since the events of Jane Silent Bob Strike Back, which itself was making fun of Hollywood and its, you know, culture of turning everything into a movie that was its own property. And mm. now we're here making fun of reboot culture with everything that Hollywood's doing. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, you know, t- it takes a little while to kind of like get its groove. But, um, you know, it, 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 it settles in like it's like fine wine. The more it kind of mm. settles in, the more you in, in, enjoy it for what it is. Um, you know, they go to movies, uh, you know, that kind of turns into like a funny sequence. But I wanted to say, like, the, the court scene with Keith, um, not Keith, uh, with Craig Robinson and then uh, the airline scene with Molly Shannon. I'm like, these these scenes are funny in theory, but they just mm. drag on for too long for me. Uh, some of them do go a little bit long, but at the same time, it, I don't think it ruins those scenes because as it is, it's, it's a very like it ruins fa- the first act. Uh, okay, I can kind of give you in that. My, the first act opinion, does go a little opinion. bit slow. It yeah. basically does pick up when they start the actual road trip to going to Hollywood. I do love the you know recurring joke of every time somebody's like, oh, you're going to Hollywood. And they're like, like Hollywood, Florida, or like, and they just named some <laughs> other Hollywood that is clearly not the one that they're talking about. Now I'll tell you a scene like that kind of that this made this made me laugh, dude. And this this just reminds me why I love Matt Damon. Uh, the Matt Damon intermission oh. where he uh, he reprises himself as Loki from the film Dogma, uh, the Fallen Angel. He says, "No, not some British dude in the Marvel movie, the real <laughs> Loki." Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he says. Uh, he, he says people wonder where I, what happened to me, and then he just kind of starts retelling the plot of Jason Bourne, and he's mm-hmm. he's doing all these puns. I'm like, this is such a great intermission. Like, I love the way he just delivers it. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it just 
shows how much this movie is not taking itself seriously at all. It's just, it's having fun. It's segmented out jokes in places that they work. And even then, you have everything with their road trip with uh, Fred Armiston with the hater tots. And later when he comes back and everything like that, and he's like yelling at them about the review that they left. And who said, you know, this and you just see them like giggling as he's reading the review that they left him, which was just terrible. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to. OK, so fast forward, you know, uh, Jay, of course, gets reunited uh, with uh, his ex justice from the last film. And uh, he realizes that he has a daughter, uh, Mill- uh, Millennium. Uh, I, 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 that was a Star Wars joke, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm just making sure. Uh, <laughs> Millennium played by Harley Quinn Smith, uh, Kevin Smith's daughter. And, uh, you know, basically, you know, this kind of sets the film a little bit more in motion. Rosario Dawson shows up as, um, you know, uh, you know, Justice's new wife. Um, but... You know, again, I, I feel like the film, once I learned to not take it seriously, I, I learned to enjoy it a little bit more. But, um, dude, I got to say, man, I, I don't I don't like to judge, you know, things off nepotism or anything like that, because if a person is talented, no matter who they're related to, if the talent's there, the talent's there. Mm-hmm. I just Harley Quinn wasn't doing it for me, man. Really? She wasn't doing it for me, man. Okay. I, I had an open mind. I never saw Yoga Hosers or or Tusk or whatever film she was in with Lily Rose Depp. I, I kept an open mind. I was like, yeah, she don't really do it for me in this one. Yeah. Did you all? Did you feel the same way when she was in uh, what was the Quentin Tarantino movie she was in Hollywood? Um, Once upon a time in Hollywood. What role was she in? She was. Oh God, I'm trying to remember what she played. Was she part of the Manson clan or something? No, uh, she was I'm trying to remember what she played in that one. She played Froggy. I've only seen that movie once. I mean, do you, do you have like an exact scene like I, to ring a bell? I'm trying to remember exactly where it was. But yeah, it's been so long since I've seen that movie as well, because I saw that one in theaters. Yeah, I only saw that once. But um, yeah, I'm not saying I, I, I'm sure she's probably good in that movie. I'll take your word for it. I just thought in this one, she's kind of like, she ain't do it for me. She ain't do it for me. It's like I, um, it, it was a distraction. Okay. Did you feel the same about the other cast members she was with, with uh, like girls group or was it just her that kind of stuck out to you? Yeah, a little, I kind of, I kind of got a, like, I even got it from Jay in some scenes because it's like it, the acting doesn't feel natural but again it's a comedy right you're not Mm -hmm. supposed to take it too seriously right but it's like i didn't feel like i was watching old jay in this one i felt like i was watching jason muse playing jay again or or trying an older jason muse trying to play jay again okay i mean like you yeah so you're basically you saw him trying to imitate him whole his old self instead of falling into the role it felt like a care. It felt like a caricature of OJ and Silent Bob. But I understand Father Time happens. Oh yeah, you know I understand that. So I again, I was being fair. Um, the other young female actresses, I mean, they were they were all right. I like the um, uh, is, is was her name Shan Yu? Uh, are you talking <laughs> about the uh, the Asian one that was doing the yeah. podcast? 
yeah, she I like her for the for the for the twist at the end. Oh, that yeah. was the one that, that sold me on her character. But other than that, I thought they I thought they was okay. I thought they were fine. Um, but I want to say, did, have you seen a film called Glengarry Glen Ross? I have not. Okay, so you probably didn't catch the joke. So with um when they uh when they <laughs> when they go on the on the road and they get caught by the Ku Klux Klan, um the monologue that Silent Bob gives where he's like, "Is everyone here? Are they all here?" Uh, he says, "I'm from uh JG Weston or something." That whole mm-hmm. monologue is from Glengarry Glen Ross. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's why that's why that scene is so funny. Like I like how this film. And I can imagine it's been years since I've seen it, but I can imagine uh, Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back is the same way. It, it it has certain references from pop culture where if you don't know the reference, the joke might be lost on you. But at the but same I, uh, time, even then, I still found that entire sequence funny. I didn't get that oh, yeah, reference, yeah. but I still thought it was hilarious. Right, right. I, yeah, you, you probably still laughed at it, but I'm saying like it makes it funnier when you know what he's making fun of. Mm-hmm. But um. Yeah, I thought that that sequence was a uh, pretty funny, and um, uh, so I want to say before we go on to the whole uh, uh, Chronic Con sequence, uh, what's there any other scenes you want to point out before we move on there? Uh, kind of going in how before they reach Chronic Con, just mm-hmm. yeah, I think we pretty much hit the big ones that. I would talk about with, you know, the whole Fred Armisen scene, the, you know, Ku Klux Klan kind of scene with them basically uh, with Silent Bob just infiltrating them and getting their attention so they could dump the, what was it, the porta potty all over them. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it so just stupid. It just, it is. It's stupid, but it's fun, stupid. And I love it for that. You know, th- this movie isn't trying to be anything more than just. A stupid <laughs> comedy. And I love right, it for right, that. Right. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, before that, nothing else really major comes to mind. Yeah, I um, I, I hear you. Now, I like... Um, so when they go to Chronic Con, I, I just love how all the nostalgia rushes through. And I wish I had watched this before I watched Clerks 3. Because then it would have been like... It wouldn't have like... The nostalgia would have hit me the right way it should have hit me. Cause when they when they go into the room, I, we gonna talk about it. But uh, I love when they go into like the clerk's twentieth anniversary. Everything is in black and white. Oh yeah, and you know, it then they're in black and white, and I was like, oh, that's Dante. Whereas, because I just watched Clerks three, if I hadn't watched Clerks three before, I would have been like, oh, that's Dante. Mm-hmm. You know, but I was like, oh, that's Dante. I just saw him in the last movie. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but uh, I just love the way. The, the nostalgia just runs through. I love seeing Ben Affleck as Holden, um, Joey Lauren Adams as Alyssa. They got a kid together that they're co-parenting. I thought that scene was so cute. Which the you know. fun thing about that is the kid that is in that scene is actually Jay's real daughter. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So originally Jay's daughter was going to be in another scene where you kind of see somebody like hold walking their toddler through Chronicon and everything like that. But after mm-hmm. Kevin Smith ended up getting back in contact with Ben Affleck, he kind of smashed his scene in there and was like, no, no, this is where Jay's daughter has to be. This is this is where we're going to put her in this movie. 
And that's how that entire scene kind of came together as well. Was I think Kevin even said that was the like the last scene that they filmed for the movie because they were almost like wrapped up with the movie when I think Ben Affleck like did an interview for a movie and during it, like the person interviewing him asked, like, are you going to be in like Kevin Smith's upcoming, you know, Jay and Silent Bob movie? And Ben Affleck's response was, I haven't gotten a call yet. So (laughs) and immediately after that, uh, you know, Kevin Smith's like publicist went, hey, you should call him. He's like, no, he doesn't mean like he wants to get a call. He's just doing the polite answer of like, no, I'm not going to be in it because I'm not being asked to be in it. And he just took the leap of faith of reaching out to Ben Affleck and got him into the movie. (laughs) Wait, wait. So let me get this straight. Let me get this straight. He hasn't gotten a call yet. So so who said what to who? So I don't know. Did you know about the whole like Ben Affleck and Kevin Smith kind of situation? Oh, the fallout over Jennifer Gardner? Yeah. Yeah, I could. I, I yeah, I heard something about how they they weren't friends anymore because Kevin didn't like Jen or Jen didn't like Kevin. Like you know, high you know right. high school stuff by grown folks, mm-hmm. you know. But I I I didn't know that that was still going on. Yeah, it, well, it wasn't that it was still going on. It's just ever since then they just hadn't talked to each other, you know, mm-hmm. following that fallout. So when you know Kevin Smith was getting people together for this movie and everything like that. And all over people are like, Oh yeah, I'm going to be in the, you know, Jay and silent Bob reboot. And everybody that's like big friends with Kevin Smith. And obviously when Ben Affleck's in an interview, I can't remember for what, like what movie or what he was promoting, but they asked him like, are you going to be in this movie? And his response was, I haven't gotten a call yet. And that's what cycled off, you know, Kevin Smith actually trying to reach out to him and going, Hey, you know, how are you doing? You know, it's it's been a while. <laughs> right, right, right. And then got him okay, in this movie. Uh, oh, that's cute. That's cute. But I um I like that scene though. I think it's a touching scene because you know, I do like so so there's one moment I like with Harley Quinn. Let me be fair, because I forgot about this whole moment. When they're in the RV, well, it's a van. When they're in the van and she's like, You could never know how I feel. You didn't. Uh, you don't know what it's like to grow up without a dad. And they, there's that one emotional scene. I was like, okay, this is actually a well acted scene. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, I liked her in that scene. I feel like that was a nice emotional scene. I, I she think doesn't she know does, that. Yeah, she does emotion well. Yeah, she she did emotion very well in that scene. Um, so I'll, I'll be fair. But um, I was gonna say I like how that whole scene with the little kid ties back into Jay and how he's feeling conflicted about not telling Millie that he's her dad because he's missed out on so many years. Uh, And then it gets ruined by the end when Ben Affleck makes the Argo joke. He's talking to the, talking to the kids and saying, Oh, you're so cute. Go ahead. Say, say Argo, fuck yourself. I was like, (laughs) now you ruined it. Now now you ruined it by the classic Kevin Smith joke. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, man, I love it, dude. I love, Oh, I loved uh, seeing the cameos by, um, who were the people? It was James Vanderbeek and Jason Biggs, right? Oh, they yes. Were in the origi- yeah, the mall yeah, rats. Yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They were in the original. Um, no, no, not the mall rats. They were in the original uh, Blunt Man and Chronic movie. So they were having like oh. a little Comic Con panel. Yes. Yeah, they were in uh, Strikes Back. Weren't they also in Mall Rats? 
I think I think Jason Biggs was. I don't know if I don't know if Vanderbilt uh uh Vanderbeek. Yeah. Is Vanderbeek or Vanderbilt? I I don't know if he was. Okay. I swear he was, but maybe I'm getting mixed up because yeah, a lot of the uh cameos from like different you know kevin smith movies they kind of all blend together at a certain point where it's like was he in chasing amy or was he in dogma or was it in mall rats or chasing amy that he showed up but mm. I, I swear James they were Vanderbeek. in one of them yeah yeah i got you um no i don't think i don't think vanderbeek was in mall rats i think jason biggs might have been in mall Rats. i can just check real quick okay uh because yeah no, i'm not seeing it i'm not seeing it okay so I'm misremembering that one, but yeah, yeah. The having like the different panels that they run through because they even run through one for Comic Book Men that has like the entire cast from Comic Book Men in it. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, and ah, I'm trying to remember. There was one more that they ran through besides the Blunt Man, the original Blunt Man and Chronic. Where yeah, they're complaining about oh yeah, of course I'm not happy that they're rebooting it because they recast us all, and then. Yes. The clerks, the clerks one, yeah. comic book men. I swear there was one other one, but I'm not thinking of it now, so I might be misremembering that as well. Mm. Okay, yeah, you, you you might be. Um, yeah. So going on from that, it's and I love how <laughs> I like how Kevin Smith kind of makes fun of himself all the way back to the original scene where they learn about the reboot and Kevin Smith throws a commercial like, "Hey, it's me. Oh yeah, it's Kevin Smith." <laughs> You know, I'm in Hollywood. And then he tries to push the mic off him. Mm. Like, quit it. Um, it's funny how every picture I see of Kevin Smith, he always has an uncomfortable smile on his face. Oh, yeah. And I was like, this kind of fits the, the vision of how most people that don't know Kevin Smith, how look at him. Oh, and then the constant uh, calling him Kevin James. You know, Kevin yeah. James stole our movie. <laughs> right, right, right. Who cares about Kevin? Kevin can wait. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was fun. Yeah, I like the puns, man. I like the puns throughout this movie. Um, I thought the Blood Man and Chronic sneak preview was pretty funny. You have Val. I didn't expect to see Val Kilmer. Mm -hmm. You have Val Kilmer and Melissa Benoist. Uh, Benoit. Um, Benoit, uh, forgive me, yep. as a Blood, Blood Man and uh, Chronic. I thought that was a nice look. And then you had uh, Tommy Chong, too, as Alfred. Oh, yeah. Oh, I yes. It's that kind of like perfect uh, cameo that everybody was waiting for in this movie. And mm -hmm. apparently Snoop Dogg was originally going to be a cameo in this movie in the scene with uh, Method Man. See, that that would have been perfect. I, I don't think that would have been perfect, but that was perfect by itself. Method Man mm. and Red Man. Yes. Oh, man. That was a perfect cameo. Have you seen How High before? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a hilarious movie. Dude, that was a perfect cameo. Yeah. I, I, that one, because I'm trying to remember who else he's mentioned that he tried to get in for this movie and just couldn't. Um, oh, the other panel that they went through was uh, Robert Kirkman's The Walking Dead. That's what yeah, they the other... said he was in the post credits, right? Yeah, he was. Uh, uh, did that one get pushed to the credits? Maybe that's why I'm not remembering it right. I think that got pushed to the credits. OK, yeah, because that was the other one. I just remembered that Robert Kirkman was in this movie because, yeah, he uh, made the joke of, oh, yeah, the, the ending is, you know, this. And everybody's like, really? He turned. No, he doesn't. He just does this. <laughs> you know. 
Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, yeah. obviously this is back when, you know, Walking Dead was still on TV and everything like that, where he was just making a joke where everybody constantly asked, what's going to happen to this person? And what are you going to do with this? And it's like, obviously, I'm not going to tell you because that would ruin the story. <laughs> um, yeah, 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 absolutely. I want to say I really like how um, uh, I love the final twist where it turns out uh, Shan Yu is uh is russian mm-hmm. and uh and uh it, it, this is a this is a whole kind of like you know undercover like like this this is a whole like an evil plan um i love that twist man i thought that was pretty funny uh yeah i mean overall i i so i i do you have anything else you want to say about this uh so one thing that it's it's kind of a sad thing but that end sequence with Kevin Smith like playing himself like at Chronicon and everything like that originally that scene was actually written for Stan Lee so prior to Stan Lee's passing that's where Stan Lee's position in this movie was and I believe the interview that uh, Kevin Smith had with Stan Lee where he was talking (laughs) Mm -hmm. about having that role and everything for him at the end of the movie but that's where that scene originally was that he had planned for Stan Lee to be in this movie Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that end scene. I like that end credit scene between him and uh, Stan. He's like, this is why I don't cast you in my movies. You can't say something without laughing. Right, yeah. (laughs) This is why you've only been in one of my movies so far. (laughs) Right. I thought that was I thought that was very touching. Yeah. And um, oh, the Thor. Chris, that Chris Hemsworth cameo. That yeah. was funny. The hologram of, you know, please do not touch right. the hologram. Please do not try and have sex with the hologram. You will hurt yourself. It is very hot. <laughs> right, right, right. That whole thing was funny. Look, man, overall, you know, I, I feel like this was a good thing to kind of revisit. You know, I loved Jay and Silent Bob, their appearances growing up as a kid. So watching this film, letting it sink in, remember, like, hey, don't take it too seriously. Have fun. Mm-hmm. It uh, it was a nice trip down memory lane. I would um, I'll be generous with this one. I'll, I'll give this an honest three point five. Uh, this one's a four out of five to me. It's it's not even a contest mm. because when it comes to its self referential comedy, it's right up my alley with what I enjoy. Where it's kind of making fun of itself while making fun of Hollywood, making fun of his past movies, making fun of other movies, you know, tropes within Hollywood. It gets all those jokes down right, and it has just enough kind of references and cameos to other properties and his own properties to kind of constantly make you go, oh, I get that. Oh, that's funny. Oh, they got this person in here. Like, there was, I remember my first watch of this movie, like, every time it would click to a new scene, it was always like, oh my god, I can't believe that they got, you know, Fred Armiston for the movie. Oh my god, I can't believe Chris Hemsworth is playing a hologram for the convention. And yeah, Mm. so it's it's a nostalgic movie that still feels fresh, and I love it for that. Oh my god, Kevin Smith is playing Kevin Smith? Right. (laughs) How did they ever get him? I'll just mess with yeah. you. Oh, I also love how Kevin, when he's playing himself, he's like very like mean and everything like that to everybody. Like he's very egotistical as uh, Kevin Smith when he's like on the stage and everything. 
And right, right, right. Oh, I also love the uh, credit scene of here are the people that won a cameo to be in the new Jay and Silent Bob movie. Don't worry, there's no way we could cut this. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Um, yeah, I mean, like, uh, basically, when it comes down to it, I, uh, I uh, think this is a solid uh, sequel. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically, in, 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 um, <clears throat> Keeping up with the tradition, I think it's a solid reboot. And that brings us to our next movie, Clerks 3. Once again, directed by Kevin Smith, taking place 15 years after Clerks 2. We follow the continued events of Dante and Randall, who now own the Quick Stop, and are kind of going about their daily lives when Randall gets a heart attack, and following the survival of this heart attack, decides that he needs to do something with his life that will make everything worth it and to make his mark in the world. And by being somebody who previously used to work at a movie store, he has opted that it's time for him to make his own movie called Inconvenience that follows the basic story of his life working at the Quick Stop, the movie store, and at a fast food chain, Movies. And in basically a completely self-referential third movie and just kind of being a remake of Clerks, we see the story of Randall making the Clerks movie as well as everybody else that is a part of it, including Jay and Silent Bob, a.k.a. Kevin Smith. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh yeah, that in a nutshell is basically Clerks Three, and I gotta say, man, um, when this film started, so I watched, like I told you, I watched this before I saw Jay and Silent Bob reboot. So first thing alone, when when the gum is on the lock, um, you know, I I didn't think anything of it. I said, oh mm-hmm. okay, somebody put gum on the lock, pranking them. Then I realized in the post credit scene in Jay and Silent Bob uh reboot. Uh, Jay tells um, uh, Millie, hey, we've been pranking Dante for years, yeah. putting gum on the lock. For I the like, past, like, I think he said, like, for the past 20 years, I come here every day and I put gum in the lock. Yes. Like, dude, if I had caught that joke, that opening scene, why would have made me chuckle a little bit? Mm-hmm. Um but, you know, going around watching this movie, you know, in the beginning, I like the montage where, you know, they close down, they play hockey on the roof. You know, Jay and Silent Bob act like fools every time they uh they they sell selling somebody weed. They have to like this like top covert secret. But when they got like a legal marijuana store, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I enjoyed the opening montage. But um, again, dude, I kind of had that feeling. With the reboot, where I'm like, I'm seeing scenes with um, Brian O'Halloran and Jeff Anderson, and it just it takes a while for me to really feel like I'm watching Dante and Randall, because it seems like the lines are, it se- it seemed like the dialogue delivery was a little stilted. I don't like again, I don't know if it's a father time thing, but I was like, man, this don't this don't really feel the same, because like, and, and this is coming from somebody that likes Clerks one and two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I you know, get. How that. did you feel? So I kind of understand what you're saying. It it does feel like a little bit strange watching them like after Mm -hmm. this much time has passed and everything playing these roles again, because I think uh, Jeff Anderson fell into the role of Randall pretty quickly in this. And Mm -hmm. it, it did feel like him, especially when he was messing with Elias 
and blockchain uh who is played by uh, Austin Zajur, who is actually uh, Harley Quinn Smith's boyfriend in real life. So that's how he got the role in this movie as Blockchain, a.k.a. the Silent Bob for Elias. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I got you, I yeah. got you. So there is, you know, Elias, I think, fell back into the role, or Trevor fell back into the role of Elias very quickly. I, you know, I absolutely loved him in this movie. But I will say, Brian O'Halloran, it did take a while for him to feel like Dante, because... I don't know it, what it was, if it's just because he looks so different now or if because, you know, it's just been so long for him or what. See, Brian and Jeff look the same. They they look the same. It's just I don't know. It's, it was just the line delivery. The editing was a little off to me. And again, I'm, I don't mean to come off as the critic. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I understand. It's it's a Kevin Smith comedy. You know, just 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 bag up. I get it. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, you know, like. I don't know. It just felt different. It didn't feel the same. But again, it took a while for me to kind of settle in while watching it. Yeah, I, I think this one, it definitely has a better settling point of kind of going, oh, yeah, this is a Clerks movie. You kind of fall back in line with that very quickly versus Jay and Silent Bob, where, yeah, the start of it is very like abrupt. It, it kind of just kicks off and then jumps here and then jumps there. And then it takes a while for the actual story to progress. Here, it basically, it jumps right into them being clerks, and it's like, okay, this is the movie. And it's fine with that, and then it goes to, oh, we're making a movie, where we're going to reference all the things that we see as everything. And I also love that, basically, this was Kevin Smith making a movie about the making of clerks, which is, again, I think Kevin Smith is on like a kick of going... I'm just going to go self-referential and make fun of my past self while making movies with my friends. You know, that Mm. seems to be like the path that he has chosen and I'm all for it, you know, but with this movie being so self-referential, it kind of constrains itself a little bit. I feel like where clerks and clerks Two had the freedom of going anywhere, you know, you kind of, didn't you were along for the ride of just funny jokes watching people live and everything clerks three is so constrained to the plot of them making a movie that it doesn't want to stay stray away from that that it feels i don't know i feel it feels more boxed in i don't know if you've got that same vibe from it um you said it feels boxed in you said Right, because like with Clerks, you know, you're following basically the humor comes from watching the interactions with people and being like, oh, yeah, I there's that kind of person. There's that kind of person and seeing them deal with those people Uh, with Clerks, too. You see that from a fast food sense of like people coming in and them dealing with those customers while also having their own jokes and everything. But this one, it felt more boxed in because it, the jokes were coming from a self-referential point of them making a movie. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, if you just didn't if you don't know the first two films, then, yeah, it's 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 this film may come off a little choppy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this film is very self-referential. This is I think this and Jay and Silent Bob reboot are strictly for the fans. Oh, yeah. That's just the way it goes. 
like you can watch John Wick three without watching John Wick one and two. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like you, even the last one that came out, you can watch that without watching any other John Wick films. This one, you kind of have to know the Clerks universe, uh, specifically the View Askew universe, to even get the Jay and Silent Bob reboot. And with this, you you got to watch the Clerks films to understand what's going on. Like th- this is for the fans. Oh, one hundred percent. And so with that, I I hear what you say. I don't think it's boxed in. Um, I think it's an independent film, which, you know, Kevin Smith excels at. uh, But I don't feel like I don't feel like it's boxed in. I feel like it's a a denouement, uh, as Kevin Smith jokes in, um, you know, um, Jay and Silent Bob Rebo. I think it's an epilogue to the whole clerk saga. Okay, yeah, I can get that. But with it being self-referential, it does have some great self-referential jokes uh, one of the reoccurring ones that I absolutely love is every time they're saying, oh, yeah, we're making a movie. Everybody's like, like a porno. You know, how long does that take? Which is a reference to Kevin Smith's movie, Zack and Miri make a porno. Yeah, yeah, I, I kept I kept thinking that's what it was a reference to. I mean, not one of my favorite movies, but, you know, I, I kept going. Are they talking about Zack and Miri? Yeah, like, that, that's what they the were. Porno joke. Because okay, they even right, like gotcha. make a jab at uh, Seth Rogen because I, I'm trying to remember. I think it was Randall yelling at Dante going, look, man, just read the line as it's written. Stop trying to improvise like Seth Rogen here. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> my Seth, that's my horrible <laughs> Seth Rogen laugh. <laughs> but he's, listen, I say he's the only one that could do a Seth Rogen laugh. I can't do a Seth Rogen laugh. Oh, yeah, he's he's. Yeah, <laughs> when he has that kind of unique laugh. It's almost like Jimmy Carr, right. who has like the mm-hmm. reverse laugh. It You can always pick it out out of a laugh track for sure. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I um I like it, man. And I like how serious. So I had always heard about the main thing that happens with um with Dante in the film that he loses his um his wife and kid. Uh, I, I had heard it with some spoiler, some spoiler reviews that came out around the time the film dropped. And I said, man, that sounds like a bummer. How are they going to pull that off? And I remember when you talked to me, you said, that's not it's a it's a big deal in the film, but it's not a bummer. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, OK. So when I watched that, I finally understood what you meant. They they handle it very fine. They handle it very well. Um, they do. De- they do leave room for death, such as the scene where he's at the uh, the uh, the gravesite of his wife and, you know, Rosario Dawson. Uh, pops up can i just say it's always a delight to see rosario oh yeah i just love seeing her and she i love how she just keeps popping up in like nerd culture movies all the time right uh even like right now she's playing ahsoka like that is such a complete like fan casting never gonna happen thing and like here she is playing it yeah it's always a delight when she pops up yeah i just yeah it's always a delight to see her but um, I like that that scene has real depth and it, and it goes in it goes into, um you know, Dante's feelings like, listen, Randall is the only best friend I have left in the world. I want to keep this man alive and I want to help him make this movie, whatever it takes. Mm-hmm. This is my buddy, you know, and it's it's a it's a true story about friendship. And I, uh, I, I like that. I like that the film gives room to breathe on that character note. Um. Uh, what was I gonna say? I I kind of like Amy Sedaris' turn as Doctor Leidenheim. I kind of like some of those scenes, like the Degrassi song comes out of nowhere. 
But like that's because Jay and Silent Bob were in an episode of Deg- or an entire season of Degrassi, I believe. Yeah, I, I remember the episodes. I, I know, but like they, they when she uh, finally fixes his heart, like I like the way she delivers the lines. But again, it's like throughout these scenes, it's like something's just missing. It's like mm-hmm. something feels clunky. I don't know if it's the editing or it's the the line deliveries mixed with you know the the needle drops. Like, I, at some point, it takes a while for me to really sink into the movie. I, I can kind of see that because, yeah, this movie is, I, I don't, I, I get what you're saying, where it's like, okay, the pacing isn't off, the jokes are funny, the acting is good, but something about this movie still feels off, and it's hard to put your finger on it, but it, it basically comes down to the movie... I think it falls into the problem where the movie is just so boxed in that there's no surprise with where it's going. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, the scene with Randall in the hospital is going to work out and everything like that. As soon as, you know, I didn't know it was going to work out. I thought it was going to give I thought I thought I was going to throw a curveball and and get rid of Randall. Okay, but uh, yeah. And then, you know, you have everything with Elias, which is like. What I loved the idea of like him going from a uh, born again Christian to just a complete Satan worshiper. Like he just completely makes that jump, and all the jokes are about him being like, "No, Jesus had nothing to do with this." When his entire character was loving Jesus in Clerks Two. Yeah, yeah. I I just thought whatever. It just I just thought whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I you you know me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, I I did like the way the guy played the character Trevor Furman. I think he did a great job. Oh yeah, and um, you know, kind of going like- along that route. I think everybody kind of you know, like I said, Brian O'Halloran. I think is the only one that really stuck out to me. Is kind of going. He didn't really fall into the role right that uh, you know I remember of Dante. See, I looked at him and Jeff as the same. I, I felt like they both kind of had the same thing where I kind of had to get used to them. I was mm-hmm. like, this is Dante and Randall, but I kind of got to get used to seeing them like this or seeing them in this type of view. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of views, I like when Silent Bob, when he when he finally decides to talk, I like how he gives a whole monologue like, uh, I want to shoot it in black and white. And they go, how would you do that? He goes, he gives like a very intelligent answer. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, like, you know, the great contrast, you know, like, you know, it's uh, you, you walk into a convenience store and we're like the audience lens of, you know, some intelligent stuff, he yeah, says. And he says, it's like we're watching through the lens of an invisible security camera that's watching this convenience store. Plus, the colors in here are all wrong. You, you definitely want to do a black right. and white to tone it all down and everything. And yeah. funny thing about that line, those are all things that people have like interpreted why he went with black and white for the clerk's movie like so when he people, just owned it well the best part is he's come out and he's gone no we filmed it in black and white because it was cheaper we didn't have a big budget for this that's why it was in black and white it had nothing to do with any like <laughs> cinematography or anything like that and right. oh, okay it, it's one of those things where the same thing where you had like jordan peele and get out where people were like picking apart the movie and he's like did you do this because of that and he's like yeah sure i don't i know but sure i'll take credit for it still <laughs> yeah i think when it comes to questions like that you should take the chris nolan approach and be like whatever you think yeah Wh- whichever <laughs> one fits your you know 
what you want it to be. <laughs> right, right, right. Absolutely. Yeah, I like that. Um, I was going to say the whole uh, auditioning part was pretty cool. Um, hey, I, I, I saw <laughs> I like how all the impractical jokers uh, showed up to the audition. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like every single one. You had Ben Affleck showing up as Boston John. You had uh, Freddie Prince Jr. and Sarah Michelle Gellar, both of them. Uh, I thought that was a pretty like 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 stupid uh, montage, but stupid funny montage. Mm. Um, uh, oh, you had Melissa, but but no, show up again. Oh yeah, she uh, auditions for it as well. Uh, same for one of the other people that was on Supergirl. I'm trying to remember who it was. Now, does Kevin Smith have a connection to Supergirl? Uh, he's directed a couple episodes of Supergirl. Okay, okay, yeah, I knew there was something. All right, cool, cool. Um, yeah, yeah. So going about it here, I uh, the more the film goes on, the more it, you know it starts filming everything. Um, you know, I, I I like it. I like the return of different characters. I like the return of Veronica. You know, the return of Emma, who you know Kevin's married. The actress Kevin is married to in real life. Mm-hmm. I think all I think all of that is cool. Um, it really got me in the heartstrings in the end when uh Dante passed. Oh yeah, yeah the. When he's sitting down and they start playing the movie and it's literally scenes from Clerks, it's like, oh, that's, that's you're powerful. cheating. Don't do that to me. Come on, man. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah, obviously, we have the scene where Dante passes and then we follow that up with the scene of, you know, Randall going back to the store and he's initiating Elias to be his new best friend. Now that Dante's gone. Hey, yeah, yeah, that's funny. But I, I want to point out something uh, hilarious. Two things. One is kind of like a tidbit from the from the from the first movie. But the other thing, I like when they're shooting that scene where uh, they're talking. Uh, it's that scene like, hey, what happened to so and so? Oh, she's getting married. Oh, to you? No, uh, some other guy. And then right. I think one of the actors in the scene says, uh. Oh yeah, he's a he's an Asian uh, uh, architectural guy. One guy mm-hmm. says, "Hold up, this film is racist." What type of dialogue is that? <laughs> what type of dialogue? And look at this cast; not a bit of color in it. <laughs> right, right. And uh, I, I thought that was funny. And the one scene where, um, in the end, uh, Randall writes it to where Dante gets shot. In the end, mm-hmm. um, I like how Dante goes like, "You can't just shoot me." And that's a good tidbit because I think that was the original ending Kevin Smith had for the first Clerks, right? Yeah, that was originally going to be the ending. And people said that they didn't like it because it made the movie end on a downer. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, that would have been a downer ending. I'm glad he didn't end it like that. Yeah, I'm glad he didn't Um, end up killing Dante in the end. It's, you know, that would totally like bring the movie down for the last, you know, 10 minutes of the movie's runtime. For sure, for sure. Uh, yeah, so I like that. Um, I, I want to make a note, dude, because this is something I keep seeing in quite a few Kevin Smith films. So, like, it's, it, it's, a, it's a thing where he's got black female characters in his movies, and they're just like the they're just like the loudest, obnoxious people. Like in this one, you had the black mama that was like, you know, my my no good husband spent his last our last effing rent on strip clubs. Mm-hmm. Then you had Tisha. Tisha Campbell's character in Zach and Mary uh, make a porno. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, like her loud self. And I'm like, 
Wanda Sykes, I give an exception to in Clerks too, because Randall's character was ignorant in that scene. That that was a justifiable go off moment. But it's like, I don't know, man. Is it just me or do I like when you got black female characters in Kevin Smith films, they just kind of just they're just off. You know what? I've never noticed that before. So, yeah, yeah, I, I never thought of it <laughs> before. Because yeah, I was like, I was like, damn, this lady's on 10. Like, she's just mm. on 10. And this is my first time meeting her in the movie. Right. And, you know, but I was like, I don't know. That was just a thought I had in my head. Um, but I wanted to say, you know, I, overall. I think this is a very good way to close out the trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's I think it's handled well. It takes a little bit to settle in, but I I, I think when you're really in for the ride, it, it handles itself well. And uh, seeing Millie at the end, like rethinking it now, having seen reboot, I think that's a nice touch as well. Oh yeah, having her reprise her role as uh, Jay's daughter. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because at first I was like, oh, Harley's in here. How come she wasn't in the rest of the movie? Who is she? Like I, I hadn't seen reboot yet, so I didn't. I had no idea who she was. So, um, yeah, man. I mean, with that being said, about the same rating to me. I get us a three point five. Uh, yeah, I gotta say this one's still four to me. It's it, when it does mm. well, it does well. It does its self-referential parts well. It does its meta humor well and everything. And for that, I absolutely loved it. You know, I I was cracking up watching this the first time and the same feeling of like watching clerks and clerks two and everything like that where it's like watching this is a fun movie i'm not gonna walk away from this being like oh this is a masterpiece of cinema but i'm gonna walk away with a smile on my face uh this time not so much of a smile because it's like why why did you pull my heartstrings like that at the end man come on this this could have been like a (laughs) you know a happy movie but you turned it at the end on me but the rest of it is still so happy that it's like, okay, that was a good watch. Mm-hmm. I absolutely agree with you here. Um, so thinking about it here, it's kind of a hard one for me. I man, it's kind of hard for me, but I think I slowly lean to to reboot winning. What what do you think? Uh, I have to also agree on that one. It's Jay and Silent Bob reboot, and. I know that you watch this in a backwards order and everything like that, but having Jay and Silent Bob reboot be like, oh, here's all these characters I recognize coming back again. Here's all this humor. Here's like this adventure and everything. That's what put it over for me. Yeah, it it just works a lot better in that kind of self-referential thing. There's actual more adventure to it. There's a lot more twist to the story and everything like that. It just works out very well to a very fun movie all around. And I think this is now the third time that I've seen it. And yeah, the the jokes that work, they still get a laugh out of me. Yeah, absolutely. I understand. Um, yeah, okay. So that's the way the cookie crumbles right there. Uh, you know, uh, reboot wins. And moving on to after show. Man, how you been? What you been watching lately? So I have uh, been catching up on some TV shows. Uh, As previously mentioned, Ahsoka is now airing and I am absolutely loving it. But at the same time, I also love Star Wars Rebels. And this is basically just a continuation of Star Wars Rebels. And I uh, I ain't gonna lie to you, man. I kind of been out of the loop. I I still haven't watched Mandalorian. I've I've been out of the loop. (laughs) 
I mean, it's fine. <laughs> I mean, I'll catch up eventually. It's just like just, like the goalpost has just gone far beyond me now. I'm still at the the I'm still at the front of the field. I haven't even started walking yet. Right. Like like it, and everything's going uh everything's happening um in front of me. I say what? I haven't ran into a lot of Star Wars series spoilers. Maybe one or two big ones, but nothing that really would like disrupt my experience. Right. Yeah. And I will say, like, I understand it to a point because there's been a lot coming out lately. So oh, yeah. when yeah, people are saying like, oh, I, I kind of stopped watching everything Marvel after Endgame and stuff. It's like, I kind of understand there's when even though there's only been a couple movies since then, it, there's been a lot of TV shows. And if you watch like episode one of a show and you're like, it's not for me but you feel like you need to continue watching it to understand everything else going on with the rest of the movies and the rest of the it shows. Becomes and tedious. It becomes, yeah, it becomes, it becomes tedious. You're, you're not watching it for fun. You're watching it as homework, you know, and I right. get that. Yeah. I mean, listen, one day I'm going to look back on all this stuff and go, man, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, Right now, as it stands, uh, it is a bit too much. And, and you know, to be honest, there's some other stuff I got to uh, catch up on. Like, um, you know, Secret Invasion. I would love to watch the first series with Samuel Jackson as a lead actor. But, you know, I, I don't want to go out of order. Right. You know what I'm saying? You know, so it, it's, it's on the back burner. Yeah. But uh, along with that, to talk of something that isn't a part of an expanded universe and everything... Uh, my Adventures with Superman has uh, concluded its first season. And mm. man, is that show good. That is, it's probably one of my favorite superhero shows now. Yeah, you, you've been praising it, man. I've been hearing great things on social media, people loving it. Oh, yeah. Like, it, I will say, when it comes to Superman, I personally find a lot of his stories to be, like, very boring. You know, basic, it's it's yeah. it's the guy that can do anything. There's really no threat to him and everything like that. The way that my adventures with Superman plays with the idea of like a young Clark Kent Superman trying to find his place in this world and everything. It's done really well. And it has just enough like sprinkling of like a bigger world that he's a part of with like Task Force X and everything like that, that kind of like get you going oh yeah i i I know that from the comics or i know that from these other movies and everything like that while also staying very centrally focused on superman and not being like Mm -hmm. oh no we're building a big universe it's kind of it's a superman story that they're taking little elements to expand on it even further Mm -hmm. yeah i i um i've heard great things man so i'm uh, i'm interested in watching it uh when i finally get the time now, something I wanted to uh, talk to you about. You know, you you told me that this. Uh, you told me the Superman show was pretty good, but um, I want to know: Have you? Uh, okay, so 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 when you're looking at um, is it called a Shaka? Uh, Ahsoka. Ahsoka. Okay, so now on the totem pole of like great Star Wars shows, where where would you put this? So. Right now, I think when it comes to the Star Wars shows, Andor is the best one. And okay. really, you can probably jump into that one without 
seeing anything because it's a prequel to Rogue One, a Star Wars story, which is a very self-contained movie on its own. So if you really wanted to watch a Star Wars show and be like, I don't know any of the other Star Wars shows and I want to just jump into this one and enjoy this one. Andor is a perfect one. Uh, Ahsoka is, I I want to say it's like a very close second right now, but we'll see how it continues to play out. And that one, it's hard for me to recommend people jump into because it is basically season six or season five or six of Star Wars Rebels, which was the animated series that started after Disney bought the Star Wars property. And basically that series ended on kind of a cliffhanger ending like it ended on its note that it wanted to end on but it ended with a giant question mark at the end of like well what happens now and ahsoka picks up where that question mark is okay now let me ask you something are you getting everything you ever wanted with all of this uh from ahsoka i'm so far getting everything that i wanted from hearing that they were making an Ahsoka series. Uh, so, I mean, like the Star Wars universe in general. Like, are you loving all these TV shows? So if you, as a Star Wars fan, because I'm a fan too, but mm-hmm. I, I'm not as deep of a fan where I have, like, little criticisms about what could be changed or whatever. Like, do you see anything right now what's happening with the Star Wars universe that you think could be changed to have more of or have less of right now? So... When it comes to that, uh, first off, Obi-Wan should have been a movie because you can almost tell that it was written as a movie. And then they Mm. just kept throwing more stuff at it to expand it to be a TV series for Disney Plus. Filler, huh? It would have been a much more concise movie. And I want to say that there's a couple different movie edits or fan edits that have been done to kind of bring it back down to a closer to like one hour, 45 minute runtime. And that gets rid of a lot of the fluff. And I watched one of them. It was like, okay, that's, that's good. That's what this series should have been. When it comes to Mandalorian, I feel like the first season's great. The second season kind of, I think it got too much into, Oh, we had to bring in these characters. We had to bring in this stuff. You know, we had to explain all of this stuff. And, it stopped being like this mysterious show where you're just following a bounty hunter and it's more, oh, here's the cameo of the week kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then season three of Mandalorian kind of was a continuation of a story from Clone Wars, which was nice to see, but it felt weird that it was being done in the Mandalorian. Uh, Andor, right. I think, is perfect on its own. No notes. Uh, it's... It's standing up on its own. You don't need to really watch anything. It's an enjoyable kind of action sci-fi series that happens to be taking place in Star Wars. Okay. Okay. I got you. I got you. All right. Awesome. So so basically you you you're satisfied with where the universe is right now. Yeah, I, I would say that I'm happy with it. It's I, I don't think there's been a Star Wars show yet that I've gone, oh, this is this shouldn't have been made. And I still hope that we get like the Lando series with Donald Glover. I know that that's been something that's been tossed around forever now, and I doubt we'll see it. But at the same time, I'd be excited if we got it. Yo, I was surprised by the news of what I saw with that. Um, Justin Simeon. Did we already talk about it? Uh, with Justin Sim- 
so Justice Simeon, the guy who made Dear White Dear White People, um, the show and the movie, and uh, he he directed the latest Haunted Mansion uh, reboot. He was originally set to showrunner to showrun the Lando series. And the moment the news broke that Donald and Stephen Glover were taking over Lando, he he heard about it at the same time as everyone else when the when the news broke. Oh my god. I hate that. When you hear about these like situations where somebody like hears about something when it's announced instead of being told ahead of time. Yeah. And when he heard about it, he said, Listen, I'm I'm happy for Donald. You know, you won't you won't get a uh, protest with me taking care of it, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, this is my first time hearing this news at the same time. I was like, that sucks. Yeah, I mean, something like that recently happened with uh, Kamal Nagiani with one of his voice roles from Adventure Time, and okay. there's a new Adventure Time series on HBO Max or on Max. It's no longer HBO Max; it's just Max called uh, Fiona and Cake, which is like yeah, a I sequel it, series. Yeah. But one of the characters that uh, Kamal Nanjiani voiced is in this series. And apparently when they were casting Ford and everything like that, his uh, agents and everything got the notes and they just said no. Uh, assuming that it was not a price that was worth it in their eyes for him to come back and reprise the role. When obviously Kamal heard about like the show was coming back and he was like, well, why wasn't I called? about it and one of the directors of the show was like we tried to get you we were told you weren't interested in returning and he's like what the price point (laughs) right and he was like i never even heard that you guys were doing it i would have done it for free i loved that role (laughs) oh his agent said no yeah his agent said no okay see that's why your agent's gotta be telling you what what's being what's coming across your desk like that's literally what they're for Mm mm-hmm but if they see that something's a low number, they know their commission off of that is low. So it's like, no, I'm not going to have them take that. I'm going to, you know, tell them to kick rocks and then we're going to take this other thing that's going to pay more. Yeah, I know. They they looking out for themselves, too. I get it. It's a, it's yeah. a business. It's show business. But yeah, it's one of those sad things that happens. And same thing where people find out, oh, yeah, I'm out of a job now. And I'm finding out through the news and not from somebody directly. Mm, yeah, that's got to suck. Um, Yeah, so looking forward to this, man. Uh, You know, so far, the theater has been kind of stale because, you know, we still got strikes going on. But, mm-hmm. um, you know... uh as far as like what's coming out the creator with john david washington looks pretty cool yeah there's a couple movies coming up but at the same time so many movies have been pushed back now that every time like something comes up oh coming into theater soon it's like is it though still like i had to look up and confirm what's actually still coming out Mm -hmm. apparently aquaman's still coming this year i'm still shocked that that's happening they're going to premiere the trailer later this week, supposedly, I think. Oh, wow, really? Eh, well, we'll see. We'll see. Um, uh, all right, man. So I guess that's about it. You know, I'll see y'all on another one. You know, y'all take it easy. Um, you know, remember to, uh, you know, watch film, love film. And uh, yeah, you know, have a great one.